Welcome to the You Are Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I'm Kiran Kumar, founder of Roaring Ahead and host of You're Not Invisible After 50. Despite the title, you don't have to be over 50 to listen to this podcast. No matter whether you're 25, 45 or 65, we can all learn lessons from each other to help us build a better, more fulfilled life. Come listen to the inspiring stories of all of the phenomenal women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact. They are not invisible. I'm not invisible and neither are you. No matter what society says, life doesn't end at 50. In fact, it's just beginning. Welcome to the You Are Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I'm Kiran and host of this podcast. We're all about showcasing phenomenal women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact. You'll get to hear all the inspiring stories why you don't have to be invisible after 50. So sit back and enjoy the wonderful life story from this week's guest. My today's guest is Aris Yo. Hi Aris, how are you doing? Hello, I'm well. Thank you for having me here today. I'm so glad that you actually agreed to to join me. So before we actually talk further, I'd like you to introduce yourself in one line to our listeners of who you are. Thank you. One line, um, as short as possible. So I would say I'm an ex-banking executive of uh, over two decades, turned coach to help women leaders to embrace and celebrate their authenticity. Excellent, excellent. So this podcast is about showcasing women um, who are over 50, obviously. Um, And what we start with is your past. So just tell us, in your own words, your past story so that listeners can get a little feel about who you are. Oh, past. Um, I'm just wondering how much past we have. So when you say past, the first thing that come to mind was childhood. So I'm um I'm the youngest child. I have two elder sister. Um, age gap not really big. And when I was young, I kind of forgotten now. When I'm fifty, uh, well, I remember when I was really young. I think below the age of seven, I was quite carefree and I hated school because I find it. School is so boring, so much structure, and I hate it. But um, as I get older, I think into my teens, I begin to enjoy school because I begin to enjoy learning. I think probably I didn't enjoy learning when I was young. Um, but I didn't like the school system. Um, and I have to, and I carried an anger for over a decade because of the change in the, the structure, and I have to have a change of route in terms of path that I take because of a change in the structure. So I carried the anger for a very long time. Um, and also because my parents have a lot of issues with money, uh, I realized that because of that, I carry an unconscious burden with me all my life. And um, I always wanted to earn a lot of money uh, even when I was young, I never thought of going out to have fun. When kids go to after school, they go and have fun. I was like, no, I'm going to work part time. I was like 15. 
Um, yeah, it's always something missing. Um, even when I eventually end up working in a big international bank, you know, I'm always looking for um, more and more, and that's what I do all my life. Um, so where does it, where do you think the anger stems from? I feel life is not fair to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was what I feel for a long time. I think yeah. for most people, I mean, you and I, and, and a lot of the women that we've been talking to recently, we're all kind of walked this journey, which hasn't always been the easiest of journeys. And that's taught us a lot of lessons. And we carry a lot of the pain still in our hearts. Mm. Um, and I can feel that because sometimes, and sometimes you can't even verbalize it because the pain, the grief, the loss, the hurt is so deep. It's so deep. Um, and even though you try to, um, try to work through it, um, there's still stuff that's still left. And I think that in a way that makes it real. And I think it, it kind of just rises itself again and again at different times, but it doesn't stop you in your path. And that, that's the important thing. It doesn't stop you in your path, but you always carry with you with a pain in your, in your heart. And I think, I think that's also what you're saying as well. Is that? Correct? I, yes, I think there are many different aspects to it. I think, like what I say, I carried that anger for a long time. Um, I think when I was, I can't remember, probably two decades. So by the time I'm in my 30s, I kind of gradually let it go, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, is whether that past, I mean, we, we are who we are today, it's not what we are here, but it's what our past, we all have that past, our culture, our bringing all that experience that we have that make us today. But it's only whether we make our, we let our past make us better, stronger, or we let our past pull us back. I, I get, I think that is the point. Yeah, the past can make us stronger, but the past can make us weaker. And I think in my line of work, I've seen a lot of people that allow their past to dictate their presence and future. The word move on is, um, technically it's not a very good word. Um, especially when you, in my case, um, yeah, in my case, I, it, one of my past is, um, well, uh, I think a lot of us where what we choose to do in our life, whether it's a job, it's our partner, have a lot to do with our values. And, um, so, my marriage didn't work as well. Um, and I was a sober winner. So I think at a point, I think I just have enough because my ex-husband resentment that I had a job and he had a PhD, but he couldn't really get like a job, his research job that he wanted. And then, um, and then I moved back. I mean, that was when I was in the UK. I moved back to Singapore and thought that things will be better, but um, I was never more wrong. And when I moved back to Asia, it was very challenging because I found out that uh, my children are neurodivergent and uh, my eldest um, condition was more obvious. So he has a lot of um, discrimination, a lot of labeling, not not so much in school, but at home. From um from other children that's cousins from my parents, yeah, it was very difficult for me. Yeah, 
I think I've in my line of work, I've seen a lot of people that when they are in their probably late thirties onwards, it depends on the individual, forties or even fifty, people start asking, What am I doing in my life? Is this what I do or continue doing? A lot of people ask the questions. In the old day we call it the midlife crisis. I think the new day we don't call that anymore, but we realize that there's something. It's because when if we look at our life journey, right? When we're young, we're like, oh, yeah, everything's so interesting. Let's find what's going on. I'll build a career and then so on and so forth. But when you hit to a certain point in your career, especially for us that work in the corporates, we will start questioning, do I want to continue working for the next 20 years and just earn good money and then just slave my life away and get into all those office politics? And you start asking the questions. So I did ask those sort of questions, but it's very difficult to leave your comfort zone behind because if you get a good salary, my trigger point came when I was about 45 in 2017. Um, my trigger point is actually my son's sudden death. So um, I, I will not wish that upon anybody. Um, but when my son suddenly just went off like that, it, it really kind of like, do I want to continue living like that? What is it life all about? I think that kind of questions... Um, it comes very real when you face death, especially the death of your own child. Um, I mean, even to this day, I mean, it's five years plus, it's still sometimes ask the question kind of why when I don't know honestly why uh, he's not sick, you know, why things just happen, just it's like random, right? So basically, the, the, the special thing is it just happened and it's random and it can happen to anyone. It's like, why is it my child? Um, yeah, and I was, and what I've learned at his funeral was about making my life count. I mean, he has a short 16 and a half year life. He suffered a lot of injustice when he was young, which I find difficult, but, um, he doesn't bear grudges. You know, we, we all bear grudges when somebody's nasty to us. He doesn't bear grudges. Um, maybe because of his neurodivergence. And, um, and he embraced life. And, um, mm. that taught me that, yeah, what, what do I want my rest of my life be? Do I want to continue working in a kind of environment? Um, making a comfortable living? Or do I really want to, make a difference in my life. I think that's where that whole thing changed for me. And that's a big trigger for me. A, a yeah. very painful trigger as well. I mean, you know, I think death really makes you rethink what you, why you're here and what's the purpose. And whether it be the death of your, like in your case, your son, which I'm so sorry for the loss, because that's for any mother, that is the worst thing that could ever happen because we always think about going first. Um, but also like the death of your, like for me, it was my mother. Um, so I think, you know, it's really is the trigger point where you reevaluate what's happening in your life and what is important because you can't stop because you have to carry on, right? And it has to carry on with the purpose like you've done and like I've done. Uh, and your purpose, which you're going to bring, come to the, we could talk about now is about what you're doing now currently um, as a result of having faced such a monumental loss in your life. Um, you know, I can't, I can empathize. Um, 
but it is very painful. So let's just move, let's move on because I know it's a very painful moment. I'm getting emotional just thinking about how you're feeling telling your story. I mean, I told you earlier, I absorb everything. So that's, let's just go on. Um, okay. So you, that was your trigger point, Aris. So to what you're doing now, which I'm so in awe of. I think it's wonderful because I think you, what you're questioning, your authenticity, is so important because there's so many people in this world who are not authentic, right? So I'm going to give you the platform now to talk about what you are doing currently. Right. Um, like I said, I work in banking. I work in, people who know me, I work in just three big banks, right? So it's a, a year after my son passed away, I, I left my corporate world behind and, and then I moved from a city <laughs> in Singapore to North Wales. Um, this is not a city. They don't even have train here. Can you imagine? So, um, yeah. And um, there's a lot of sheep here. It's really... So, so people like to ask, why here? Um, of course, because my partner's originally from here. And um, I always call this a place of healing because it has the space, it has the green, and it has... Loads of sheep and shit, you know. If you go to the mountain, you will see the sheep, and you see a lot of their sheep. <laughs> um, but the thing is, there's something around the the nature when you are with the nature. Something happened, um, and I have to be honest that um, yeah, my work is around authenticity. It took me quite a while to kind of realize this is what I'm doing, even though you kind of feel for it. And it's also because of my own journey. I kind of um, trained in four disciplines. The first discipline I went to was performance coaching because I come from corporates. So what do you do? Performance. <laughs> and then I felt, well, that wasn't enough. So I went to do neuro-linguistic programming. It's about the brain and how you use language to re-alter your brain. And I found, and then from there, I found clean language is using of metaphor and um it speak very deeply to us. And of course, I do positive intelligence, which is kind of mental fitness. Again, it's to do with the brain. Because um, my, my son actually um, died from intra-hemorrhage, which is internal breathing. So I think they do with the brain kind of fascinate me. And that's a lot had to do with him in that sense. And um, I have to admit that because of my own personal journey, I find it difficult to deal with um, children because it's quite, quite painful for me. There's mm -hmm. a lot of trigger if, if I do with children because of because I was a single mom and it was very difficult to bring up my children. So I, whenever I see children, it brings up a lot of trigger. So my work, I... I do more with women in general, um, yeah. and um, more towards like late thirties, forties, fifties, sixties as well. I kind of that that range, and I think I realized that um, to have that so called resilient, whatever you have in life is, you need to recognize who you are as a person, which is why I kind of embark on this journey of authenticity. And I realized when you have this. Um, you have the resilience, you have the confidence because you, 
it's like most of us spend all our time trying to be a believer, make people happy, but undermine who we are or work very hard to be achieving. Um, but it's not about me, but it's all about the outside, what I'm trying to do. But when you have the authenticity, it's about who you are and it's okay. I don't need to be perfect. And I think 50 is a beautiful number, to be honest. I'm seeing a lot of women celebrate being 50. Is that the second half of their life, they leave first half of their life doing things for other people. I think especially women as a mom, who is always my kids, my husband, my family, my parents, my whatever, whatever, whatever. And then you realize that, oh, I need that me in order to do all this. If I'm just doing all this, it's just like a shell. But the the one inside the shell is actually more important. Um, somebody said this. You need to put on, in an airplane, we put on the mask first. The reason we put on ourselves first is because if you lack of the oxygen, you'll die before you can help anybody. So you put it on, you're surviving, you can help more people. It's like we hear that all the time, but how much of that really clicks? Yeah. I think you're... Sorry, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, you said it beautifully as well that, and I totally believe this because all your life you spent time on being somebody else, right? Because as you said, your parents, you, you know, your, your husband, et cetera, family, da da da, whatever. Um, and then you get to a point in your life where A is the trigger point, then it, you know, which is around about 50, you think, what am I about? And if you can't be yourself at this stage, then when can you be? I mean, both you and I and all the other women that we're, I'm talking to and we're talking to, they're rediscovering who they are and they're actually enjoying their power like you and I are, that we are actually being ourselves. I mean, I feel for the first time in my life that I'm actually the person that I was always meant to be and now I've got the opportunity to be that because I can speak out. And do what I want, you know, I can say what I want, I can think what I want, and I'm not constricted. And I think like you as well, you felt, you said it beautifully, Aris. You said it you encompass the whole thing is what you, I and so many other women are about. So thank you for that. Yeah, actually there was um a, a lot of people kind of seek authenticity yet kind of fearful of being authentic because they found that if I'm being authentic, would I be upset? Because in our society, is a lot of being conformed to what society expects of us. When we work in our corporate, we are again conformed to what is expected. If you are in a, I mean, there's a lot of the white male thing. So when you go up that corporate ladder, it's like if you're not white and you're not male, if you're whatever, then it can be very challenging. Yeah. And, um, authenticity is not just corporate. I think even in, as an individual, as a minority, um, in terms of sexuality, I think neurodivergence, and I see that especially in my son. Um, I remember this conversation quite a number of years ago, a psychology saying that um, all of us have challenges with identity, but people who are neurodivergent, that 25% actually have challenges because they 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 are not neurotypical, the neurodivergent, so they have two layers of difference. And they don't know who they are. They feel out of place. They are labored. They are criticized. And um, so not to be criticized, they, they, they have to conform. But they can't really conform because their brain wired different from us. Mm-hmm. So it's really difficult. Um, and I, I would like to say this is um, 
I started a series in LinkedIn talk about authenticity and inclusivity. And under that, there was five topics that I, I kind of talk about, which is leadership, being a minority, how can you be authentic and be inclusive, sexuality. If you are lesbian, if you are trans, then how do you be among this world? And neurodivergence as well as science, because I learned that a lot has to do with the brain. So I think for me, it's really about people coming out and, and talk about it and have that acceptance. I find another word is acceptance. Um, when we are able to accept who we are, something changed. Yeah. And I think 50 is that point that I live all my life, this and this and this. Um, do I want to continue living that? And in order not to do that and to live for words, is that that word I think is also acceptance. And yeah, I think so. I think you're right because when you come to this kind of realization that this is the time to be yourself and really just put yourself out, regardless of how anybody views you, because that's what authenticity is. It's about being like so transparent. When you're allowed to do that, then you are authentic because you're actually just putting yourself out there and your rawness, your truth is so important because you can't go along in life trying to be something that you're not. It, it gets tiring. It gets, you know, it, it wears you down. And I think your topic, your subject, your life mission is so much needed, Aris. It is so much needed. There's more people who should be brave enough to be authentic. So thank you for bringing this and, you know, you know, we're here to promote this. Um, so well done you, I would say. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> That's quite emotional. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, so what's the future looking like for Aris? I mean, to be very honest, there's always a part of me that's really sad. And, um, there's always that I was still carrying this aching pain within me. Um, but the good part is I have really learned about acceptance. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm complete. I think if I'm complete, I'll be dead now, but I've learned that life itself is not a destination, but it's a journey itself. And I'm always learning and, um, and my past is part of me. It's how I want to embrace my presence and my futures and live in the presence because I realize that I've always lived in the past and lived in the future, but not in the present. What I mean is when you live in the past, you're like, oh, regrets. When you live in the future, you're fearful. But only when you live in the presence, then you're most powerful. That way you really mix your life count because it's what here that you can do. If you worry about the future, you're not going to do anything. And I think I've been doing a lot of that. And I think I've passed some of that energy to my son about the past and the future, but not in the presence. And I think as parents, if we can really be modeling and showing that we are living in the presence, it makes a lot of difference to our children's and not only that i think even with people around us you know we can make that difference so the future is about for me is really how can i um 
make my life count and make and help other people to make their life count by being understanding what does it mean to be authentic. It's not about oh I'm being authentic, you just have to accept me. It's not about that. I think authentic is about being true to yourself, mm. holding that true to you, uh, to yourself. And when you are able to hold the truth to yourself and accept who you are, there is a sense of integrity, there's a sense of accepting self and others because you also understand that people will have that journey and you will, I feel there's a compassion of that self because we are very hard on ourselves. By being authentic, we can exercise self-compassion and that self-compassion is also extend to other people. That's what I I believe in. Yeah, so... um, What you're saying makes me look so emotional because what you're saying is so so truthful in terms of, um, you know, being authentic, but also like being self about being compassionate as well. I mean, I'm just listening in awe, actually, because what you're saying is what should be the message that other people are hearing. And then that important, um, you know, section bit that you said about um, being present, you know, this my favorite movie, children's movie is um Kung Fu Panda, right? And mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. But in the in the line there it says about enjoying the present because it's a gift. And we all forget because we always think, oh look at the past, you know, da 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 look at the future. Oh god I'm worried. But it's the present that we live in. And I think you're absolutely right. You have to live in the present. So again, these words of wisdom are just out need to be out there and heard by so many. And I hope People do listen in and take on what you've been, what you're saying. Actually, it's just, it's just wonderful to be honest. So thank you again. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Okay, we're going to move on. So the future. Do we actually? Did you finish off what you're talking about in the future? What you're going to be planning to do? Or yeah, I think for me, it's about continue my 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 work to really help people to live a life of truth of purpose. That means to embrace their authenticity with courage. Because I think is the challenge is, um, I think Brunette Brown was saying that it's a choice to be authentic and it's a choice you make every day. Mm-hmm. So that choice comes with courage and not of fear. The reason we conform is fear. But when we able to embrace our authenticity, that means it's a courage. It's a choice. It's not that I should do this, I should do this. But it's that... I want to do it and I'm doing it with that compassion and it's a peace and acceptance of my ourselves. Because all of us have um how do I say we, we all have these needs that we want to help people. But if we are not authentic and we are conditioned by the world, we will think that I need this, I'm gonna do that. And we will kind which is what we have so-called office politics is about the corporate ladder, about the money and everything, right? But when we embrace ourselves, we come back to um that so-called curiosity about being childlikeness. You see, when we're in a child, that's not about competition. It's about being fun and seeing the world in the in a different light. But as we grown up, we are conditioned to say that oh, you need to make a living. You have to think about your future. You have to do that, and then go on. And then we are thinking about this, and then we think about oh, don't worry so much. Oh, how can I not worry? So that is the thing. So can we? put that out and when we come back 
when I say authenticity, I'm, I'm not saying that like we say, ah, oh, I'm just always right. It's not about right or wrong. It's about being that true to yourself. And when you're being true to yourself, you also respect the truth of other person. And it's also waking up every day and seeing yourself in that positive light. You know, it's about can you live with yourself? That's the important one, right? Can you live with yourself? Are you happy with yourself? Can you live with you? And, you know, you and I, we we say that we're authentic and we are. I can live with myself. I can live with myself better now than I could ever in my life. And I actually say this out loud. I'm the happiest I've ever been. I have my challenges, but I'm the happiest I've ever been because I can be me and that, to mm. me, is the most important thing in my life. Mm. I love my children, obviously, but me being me. Because if you show up like that, your family shows up like that. Your children have the courage to show up like that. People you meet have the courage to show up like that. So thank you for that. Okay, right. If you were going to give, you know, you're full of wisdom. So if you were going to give five tips to anybody who is under 50... Can you list those off and what would you say to them? Okay. So five tips. Um, you are never what you do, number one. Number two, you are never what you have. Be you. That means know your value. When you know your value is very powerful. I like to call them as the inner compass. When you know your value, and you know what are those obstacles that hinder you from living your life fully, which is what makes you unhappy. And then accept and embrace your core essence. That means be your authentic self. Fabulous. Fabulous. If you were going to give three tips to anybody over 50, mm. what would you say to them? Okay. I think the main difference for those who are much younger is... um when they're younger, they know knowing the core value help them to decide how they want to live your your life, um, how you can set your goal in alignment to your values. Uh, but when you're above fifty, it's a realization what have gone wrong and right for us in the past, right? When you know that, and then it's never too late to know your value because you know what happened and now what's next. I mean, we don't we don't. I mean, this day we all live quite long to like 80s, 90s, you know, so we still have a long way to go. So 50 is different from the old day. Oh, it's time for retirement everything. We're all now get ready to retire and, and ready to leave the world. It's not. And there's still loads to give. And it's really about living right with yourself. Again, it's that acceptance. Even people who are 50s and 60s, they still continue living in their past. They're not moving forward to the future. Now is that embrace your presence, knowing your presence and really live your life. Yeah. I think, again, wise words. I mean, you're right about like living till your 90s. It's different for different people. But look at the Queen again, you know, 92, 96. Um, and she was still did her last duty just before she died, two days before she died. And I think that's awesome because at the end of the day, that was her values. She was hardworking. She stood for what she believed in mm. right up to the end, which she made a promise on. And I think that is so awesome. And I think all of us as human beings should mm. take something from that. And mm. I think you're right. 50 isn't the old 50. 
It isn't oh you're past it, you know, why don't you just kind of sit in the corner? Um, it's about living the second part of your life yeah. in a way that you choose to do. Yeah. A word come to mind is whatever is gone is past is about embracing your presence and making your life count. And you can still make your life count. Yeah. Yeah. And You are making your life count. I'm making my life count, you know. I think, you know, I would be more, I'm prouder now of what I'm doing. I feel that the work I'm doing now is much more to my life purpose. It's it's more geared towards that. I wake up with zest and energy and enthusiasm and like, I want to grow. I want to make a difference. I want to change things. You know, I want to change the narrative. You and I both, you were talking about corporate life earlier, about how hard it is for people of colour to actually get up the ladder. I've had my challenges, like you've had your challenges, and like most people have their challenges. And I think, um, you know, whereas now you can actually dictate how you want to lead your life and not be dictated by the whims of other people. Yeah. I think that's a power in 50 that, you know, we, because when you're young, you kind of lean on the parents of God, and after that, you kind of discover yourself, and then you want to be, like, in a relationship and get married and children, and you look after the children. But now there's, like, all oh, this is kind of over. It's now, it's, it's a time to really make that impact and live a life that is authentic. That means it's fulfilling, and you feel it right in your gut. Yeah. You feel it in your core, you feel it in your soul, you feel it in your heart, you know, mm. that's what you feel it. Mm. Yes. And, and, and if you can feel that, then you're definitely going down the right path, right? Yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, I could talk to you for hours, seventy hours, and this could be a really long podcast. Okay, we can but... continue some, some more conversation in my LinkedIn life that will be, we will switch role. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I have thoroughly enjoyed this interaction today it's made me emotional um i'm in awe of you and your intelligence and your guts and your strength and your power um and also you know for doing so good in terms of what the people need in the world so thank you for doing this podcast with me i you know hope i believe i want to believe that our interaction continues for a long time to come much thank you for having me oh just loved it just loved it thank you aris thank you thank you for listening to you're not invisible after 50 podcast if you want to hear more about some amazing women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact don't forget to follow us on instagram and subscribe to our podcast right here only on spotify Make sure you also check out our other services at www.roaringahead.com or follow at Roaring Ahead on Instagram or Facebook. And always remember, life doesn't end at 50. In fact, it's just beginning.